You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. Enjoy the show. Podcast. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host. Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review. Joined as always by your lovely host, Adam Thorne, and the co-host, Garrett Hess. How we doing out there? How we doing? How we doing? What up, guys? Good, good intro, Garrett. That's your first (laughs) intro, I think. I was, I, I practiced ten times. I mean, you know... Seven out of ten. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good free throw percentage, if not three point. Double seven dri- out of ten. Double dribble, right? Uh, guys, I, I firstly want to bring up. Uh, we we got a new website sorted for the JRE review. Um, the hope is that we're gonna bring you, you know, up to date Rogan news. Like he's big in the world of what's happening, and there's a lot of articles on him. And we're hopefully going to bring some good information to you on that site. So check it out. A link in the bio, uh, jrereview.com. And uh, we actually set up a Patreon on that too, which you can check out. And uh, yeah, support the show. So that'd be cool. Hell yeah. Anyway, that plug aside, who we got this week? We got Josh Barnett. Stud. Michael Schellenberger. Stud. And then Gavin DeBecca. I liked all three this week. Solid, solid cast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a comedian, but we, we mm-hmm. skipped that one. Um, Josh is, he's, he's a legend in the fight game. I mean, he has been around fighting forever. And, and, you know, heavyweights can do that. They seem to have much longer careers. I don't know how, because if you're getting hit in the face by a heavyweight, I don't really know how they're able to like stay in the game longer maybe it's because it's more of a skill set than like a speed requirement and i know you lose speed as you age um but anyway you know wild and also an intelligent person mm-hmm. and he definitely wanted to sound very intelligent on this podcast right which is not really a dig because he is smart but he he did turn into a bit of a self-help book. Well, um, a bit to, to his credit, uh, Joe says that he refers to him as an educated savage, and I think he embraces that uh, character slash persona pretty well. I mean, he, he's he's well-read. He's he's well-researched, so he's hard to refute in a lot of his things. He, he was a little preachy, but uh, t- to his credit, I appreciate it's hard. To, I mean, it's hard to negate whenever he he is even when he was talking about his whiskeys and choosing his whiskeys. Like he is so precise on how he feels about stuff. There's a certain. I mean, you got to appreciate that. Fair play. I mean, the just the fact that he's in there, you know, learning that whole process and do like actually right. working on it himself. Right. Because yeah. I feel I think Brendan Schaub just came out with a whiskey, right? And I'm sure it's good. But I don't know if he has actually done any work. No, on he was it. talking I mean, about it's, 
malting the hops and doing all kinds of stuff with it. He said that he picked the same three barrels three times, and I, I'm in between on the Samonier, but to be a whiskey connoisseur in that kind of level, to be able to pick three different barrels three different times and be like, all right, that's the single barrel, that's the double barrel, that's pretty impressive. I would like to know how to really distinguish different whiskeys. I was at a bar once in Albuquerque, and a friend of mine, Molly, knew a lot about whiskey. And she was she's really cool. And she sat me down, and while explaining it to me, was like, okay, this is like a single malt, this is a scotch, this is a X, Y, and Z, and like work through it. And I know at the time I was learning, but the downside was I was getting very drunk right. drinking whiskey, <laughs> and I forgot yeah. pretty much everything that she said. But it was it made sense at the time. Yeah. And it was kind of cool to know that, like, I couldn't tell you the difference now <laughs> myself. Not really. I don't think I'd I be could. like, is that a JMO? I'm right. I think I could distinguish Jameson just because we've had it enough times to give it that. But I hear what you're saying. I think, is that a refined palate? Yeah. Whenever you, it's, that'd be an interesting thing, too, when you do whiskey tastings. How many, what are you taking, like a droplet taste? Like, I, I don't know how much I could do. Well, you've seen them do wine, right? They like swill it around in their mouth and then spit it in a in a container, mm-hmm. and then they have like palate cleansers, which is right. like something that allows them to drink the next thing. Right. I kind of feel like, what are you doing? Have you ever been to up in Malibu? You ever been to the wine places? Uh, they have like a giraffe up there. Really, I have not. One of the yeah, there's like, well, there's all these animals. Right, and then they drive you around, and at different places they give you wine. So it's like kind of, it's just interesting. And but you know, by the end, you just mostly hammered on a bunch of wine <laughs> out in the sun with some animals. He did say that, like, in order to clear your palate, you smell your your uh, what's it called armpit. I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, I thought it was elbow. Uh, could have been elbow. Could have I been. feel like armpit would be. I thought he. Yeah, it's like smell yourself. How could you? you how do you smell your elbow? <laughs> okay. You can do it. I, well, I guess yeah. If you're, you just if you're going bring inside your elbow to your face. If you're going inside bow, I guess you could. I take that back. Dude, how big are your pecs? You can bring your elbow into your face. <laughs> when I think elbow, I'm thinking out, outer outer circuit of the bow, not inner bow circuit. Oh yeah. I, well, I, inside. I could be wrong. Bit. I think that's what he said. I can't remember. Is I don't he, think it was on. Is he from Viking descent? I get that vibe. <clears throat> At least he wants to be. He's playing it up. Dude, well. he definitely he definitely looks like he is. For sure. I mean, for sure. He uh They so- were talking about uh catch wrestling, which is I think where he started right. um with his training and I did not know that it came from the coal miners in England that would finish work and then, like, go up on the hill and fight each other. It sounds like a very English thing to do, so I'm like, yeah, that's reasonable. (laughs) But just imagine how hardcore your life is. You spend all day in a coal mine. You're smashing out. Like, they don't have respirators. They're not wearing masks. Like, this isn't COVID times. Like, they are down there just breathing it in, hacking away at the ground. And then afterwards, they just decide to go fight on a hill. I mean, you got to get your aggression out. Apparently, that was what I heard. Reasonable, I guess. Before Netflix, you got to find something to do. Yeah, I, 
Joe's made reference to that too about us all having like batteries that you got to get out. I guess coal mining should take a lot of that energy out of your body, but at the same time, I think there's a hierarchy of humans in that kind of, I don't know, in that kind of demographic. So it seems like you would want to be on top and just prove yourself. What else do you have to do? It's either fight, yeah, coal mine, drink, I imagine. I don't know. They, they've got savages down there for sure. <laughs> right. I mean, for sure that's not for that's not for most people man i couldn't do it like you know it's it's funny too because you often have like that that like uh what is it like romantic idea of like how tough you are like men just have that it's like built into their minds and and i'm just like yeah i can't work in a coal mine like forget about it. <laughs> I even see like the lumberjack shows, and I'm like, that is ridiculous. That that said, I will say that throughout COVID, I remember thinking to myself, I would I would trade 15 hour days of just hard work rather than just sitting in my room right now being told what to do. Grant mm. grant granted, easier for me to say that because I didn't have to do the 15 hours of work and I was just sitting in my room. That said, I did I did drive cross country and go do some farm work, and I did find a lot of satisfaction in that throughout that. Like that was a good time for me, to be honest. True, but you're also a bit of an unusual character in the way that, like, you were one of the few people I knew that was not impressed by just like getting a paycheck and doing nothing. Which credit to you, because a lot of people really enjoyed that. It never really, I mean, there was a certain sense of safety to that, but as far as satisfaction, there was none. It was not fulfilling at all. But it was a weird thing to think I'm getting paid this much money. What (laughs) was just shy of what I was making at the time was interesting to not work. I was just like, man, I'm getting paid just a couple hundred bucks less to not work than what I was to work. So, Jesus, this is an interesting thing. But, dude, I I think that messed a lot of people up. You know, I, I like think once that, that's in your mind, it's like basically made everyone uh <clears throat> like a trust fund kid it's for a, it's a, like a year. There's been a ripple effect clearly, especially in the restaurant and bar industry. You can't keep an employee at the same restaurant or bar for more than like six weeks, a couple months. I don't I don't know if it's just there's better opportunities or what what the situation is, but I I, I feel like some crazy guy for being at the same place for over a year and then the other place for over six months like i've been the longest tenured employee at both spots and it's like not that your dedication or like whatever should be to a restaurant because you shouldn't be selling your time for money all the time anyway you should find something you love and attack that but that said um it is what it is it's interesting like you said it's I, I, <laughs> you said it i just said don't say that <laughs> hate that saying <laughs> it is what it is i don't know why i don't like that so I, much i said that earlier today yeah. that i don't like it either because it's just accepting of whatever's going on which is unfortunate i think it's the laziest way to end a sentence you can't it is it is it is it is i'll agree with you on that all right i'm not giving you a hard time <laughs> all right let, let's jump over to the will smith smack which mm-hmm. they both got into I thought I thought Joe made really good points, and I was getting pretty confused at what Josh was trying to say. I don't think he like, knew. It. I think his intention was good, but he was kind of all over the place with his description. I'm like, and then he just ended up agreeing with Joe, which I thought was I didn't know where he was going with that. I mean, I that, thought he was going to make a bigger point. I don't know. 
that said, it was all brand new right at the time. So you think about how you're like ingesting it and how you're supposed to feel about the different avenues and the different like things that are coming into your feed and how you're feeling about it. It's going to affect how you respond to it. So that was a little bit right after the fact. So I think he was just trying to put his, his two cents together. And Joe's like, no, he's like, where does it end when I kick you in the face? <laughs> It's like, this is a true statement. Like this, this idea that you're just supposed to get away with stuff like that is, you said it best. It's like if the rock did it or Jason Momoa did it or anybody that was not of your stature, you just wouldn't have done it. You just would have laughed it off and moved along. But I don't want to say to Will Smith's credit, he's probably going through some stuff and it just kind of got, No, I get, yeah, I get it. But like, you know, dude, Probably everyone that just randomly hits you in the face is going through some stuff. <laughs> it's like, what? how much patience do we need for people? This is a comedian doing his best, making some jokes. No, it wasn't I, a big deal. I agree. And I don't know. And then, you know, I think Josh was trying to make the point that, like, if someone said something about his one, like, I get it. Right. Yes, you can always get revved up to a 10, but I, but I think the issue and the point here is is like how mature should we be when we're like 50 years old mm-hmm. and we're in the public domain? I think yeah. this is the fresh Prince of Bel-Air, bro. <laughs> Slapping people well, on TV. I, I think That's it just, assault. It came down to like just impulse. You can obviously see it cuz he's like I've been kind of been dragged through the mud over this shit for a long time. And now it's all come to a head in this particular moment. Maybe I've had a few too many cocktails, and I just got done playing this crazy character. Who knows? I mean, I don't want to justify slapping anybody in the face. You, <laughs> dude, dude, don't Josh Barnett me right I, now. I'm just that saying is, can you, that argument I, is not. I, 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 no, no, but I love, I love the idea. Like Joe was like, can you imagine if he had like a year's worth of training and just popped on his back and threw him in a rear naked choke. <laughs> like how satisfying that would have been just to see Will Smith get choked out like right on stage. He's like, this is why if you don't fuck. Chris Rock like double legs him, <laughs> drops to his knee, takes his back, pulls an armbar oh. on live television, and and the Will Smith has to tap out. Literally just yank. Oh, my God. Doesn't even allow Dude. him to tap out. Just rips his arm right out of his socket. And he's like, not today, bud. Pops up and then continues doing just roasting. Will's- he would be the greatest comedian of all time. Will Smith has to accept his award for the best actor with a broke-ass arm. <laughs> he just... In a sling. <laughs> I just wanted to thank the Academy for my left arm. <laughs> I want to thank the medical services at... Mm. Oh, dude, right? Unfortunately. Too much. Too much. <laughs> the war master. Oh, they talked about, they talked about the uh, Mata made podcast about the Ukraine, and that's like a good educational thing to like get up to date on mm-hmm. i did not check it out and i wanted to before this because i wanted to be able to tell you guys about this um i didn't but i know a couple of people that listen to it that are my friends that are were like ex-military and special forces guys they said it was really good informative so i definitely want to check it out i feel like it's important to kind of get up to speed on on that i'm not saying like delve into the news you know i don't want right. to depress you guys 
But at the end of the day, it seems like something we should know more about, and it's cool that, like, it's out there. I wondered, did you listen to it or no? No, but I did seek out Sager recently on YouTube just because I had never really sought out that, um, like, news source. And I will say that the updates on Ukraine and Russia have been very informative, and obviously Russell Brand we've made comments on, too. I think that that's very informative. Yeah, well. if you guys aren't listening to Russell Brand, I get on it. <laughs> From the I mean, most sure. objective like news that I can listen to, it seems to be that's the that's my best resource. <laughs> Isn't it hilarious that like we only listen to comedians now for <laughs> well, news? Well, I, I mean, in hindsight too, like I always listen to John Stewart. Like that's that was my main guy. For if you ever asked me where I got my news, it was obviously Comedy Central, The Daily Show. Like that's how I always got my news growing up in high school and. That was the only thing I ever really referenced. John Stewart was good. Like, and he put an incredible team together. Like, he had Colbert on there. It, he had a bunch. He had the guy from Anchorman. Yeah. He had, obviously, uh, John Oliver that does that, like, uh, weekend update or whatever it's called. The right. Week, yeah. Whatever, it's, I can't it's That's inter- a good show. It's interesting how everything's become so skewed, too, because Rogan even makes reference to those shows like Colbert and John Oliver, how they're so media based and whatnot and how much influence comes from these pharmaceutical companies. I don't know if it was on the oh. <coughs> I don't know if it was on Yeah, the, no no no. That was on Slow Down There and Mr. Reviewer. Right. That was later. Gotcha. That was I think on uh on what's his name? The Gavin one. Yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll, we'll get that. We'll, but yeah. Right. That that shit's crazy. Let's jump over to Michael Schellenberger. And talk about how the fuck we're going to save California, brother. I mean, he was the author of San Francisco. What a great book. Yeah, Sicko. Interesting how... uh, It's it's interesting to think that his thoughts are, like, quote-unquote progressive. They just make sense. Like, he he is a liberal, but a lot of his stuff is, like, I don't want to say... It seems, like, well thought out. And not necessarily, he, he seems to be like rooting for the people of California where he makes reference to maybe Gavin is more shooting to wanting to be in the presidential spot as, and trying to appeal to like voters in Iowa and these other countries, or I mean, these other states, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I wish he had, I guess I just wish that he had a little bit more of like a public image and also maybe some experience because even though he sounds like someone I can believe in, I can't really believe that he's going to win anything. I mean, you're up against Gavin Newsom. Everyone knows who that guy is. You know, you got to think a lot of people just go to the polls. They see the name. It's like, how's this guy going to get his message out there? Rogan obviously is the biggest platform to get on to be able to spread it. But is it big enough to like sway an election okay so you got 10 million listeners across the u.s if his demographics are whatever they are like a hundred times bigger than ours but like the same kind of spread out it's like new york la area so california new york there's a lot of people in texas but you know it's still only like I don't know what it is, like maybe 20% in L.A. Right. And therefore, that's 2 million listeners. So he has, Rogan has too many, 2 million listeners in L.A. 
um, there's a lot of people in LA. Maybe he has more. I don't know exactly how it would be, but I'm just basing it on our kind of breakdown. Uh, and then adding, like, the millions more people that listen. Um, and is everyone that listens going to be persuaded by it enough to, to, like, make that change? But, you know, I only say that because he really does sound like someone that makes sense. Almost to the point where if he's fucking it up, he can go back on Rogan and Rogan to be like, hey, dude. You're not making it better. Well, you said all these things. You've been governor for two years. Like, what's going on? To his credit, he said my my uh, tenure or my <clears throat> time served as governor, if, if I don't solve the hom- homeless problem in Los Angeles, then it would have been a failure. And I'm like, all right, well, if you're willing to say that, then we'll reevaluate in two years. And that'll be the – if that's the case, then – Let's fire up because you have to be re- you have to be reelected in two years, and if you're going to say it's going to be a failure between now and then, then all right, we'll give you two years. I like the I like that thought process. At least I like the initiative. He doesn't seem like he's in the hands of everybody, too. I, that's what you're always going to say. I mean, it just I, when you're separated from the corporations, you've seen this on the documentaries. When when you set up a corporation and you become separate from it, and you're you're like dehumanized because you're like, oh, that's the corporation. I'm not really a part of that. Which seems to be more or less politics, when you're when you're in the bags of everybody else, and then you're just making decisions based on these companies' agendas. It's an unfortunate spot whenever you're financially motivated. It's like we need to have people in there. Obviously, this is like way outside of the thought, but people that are not financially motivated making decisions for the good of the country, you know. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like a lot of what he says. I just worry that how can he get in there? I mean, Tulsi Gabbard was on Rogan a bunch. She seemed great. She moved away from politics. I'm like, Jesus. Where did she move to? Look, I, I, I love that you... What? Where did she move to? Do you know? Well, no. She lives in Hawaii. I mean, she, she just does podcasts and right. other stuff. Right. Also, don't talk over me. I'm sorry. Help me out here, bro. Come on. I know what you're like. I know when you get excited about it. I miss Tulsi. That's why I'm like, I hope she's involved in politics, to be honest. I don't want her to be separated, but go ahead. Well, in a sense, she is, right? So she's doing a podcast, and I think in a lot of ways, I mean, listen, she's much smarter than I am. She's, I think, a good politician, and she knows how to get a voice out there, and it probably... She probably noticed that her voice didn't go as far when she was in Congress as it can go now that she has a podcast base. But it's kind of a shame that that has to be the case. You would think that the like to think you want to make a really positive change in this country, you do it by being in the political power to do that. So it's kind of I don't know if it's defeatist thinking or just like sad for me to hear that someone that knows way more about it than me is like nah i'm getting away from it i'm not wasting my time maybe to her maybe to her credit it's like you see how if you really care about the about the cause it's like you see how much impact you can have from a certain spot and you're like all right well this is what i'll i'll just exploit this not in a bad way but you're like i'll see what works best and try and make the most of that because obviously i tried that other avenue and it didn't work so maybe we'll try this yeah, the problem is, though, it's like, okay, so let's say the impact is really big with a good podcast. 
right? Like you were saying, the saga and news people, which, by the way, recently got defunded for criticizing other news networks. And they complained to, like, I think YouTube, and YouTube demonetized them or minimized their ability to make money because they had criticized different news organizations. What? Like, how sensitive are news organizations getting? Seriously. And who, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but what? I don't know who they are. That are uh, is, is that part of the algorithm? Because I don't know who those people are. Like, I remember reading. Oh, it was NBC and uh, a couple of others. If you go to his Instagram, he has a thing recently this week, Saga does, where he's like, this is what happened. And I'm just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, what? Well, Seriously? It almost, it's, I don't want to say good, not now, but when they start demonetizing you, it makes people a little bit more interested. Like, why would they do that? Hopefully, I'm hoping that would be the mindset. I don't know if that's the case. Well, this is his paycheck. <clears throat> it's true. What do you think about uh, Michael talking about nuclear as far as being like a left guy? Even like <clears throat> he was talking about nuclear energy, about how they're trying to shut it down here. And you know, that's an interesting one because I remember growing up in England. My dad is a bless him, a big hippie and like raised us like supporting like the Green Party. I was a vegetarian. I mean, it like Russell Brand thinking, right. you know, like initially. But what was interesting about it is he always made me suspicious, you know, of of government agencies or um control and these sorts of things so so i think that's kind of you know what's guided me more than anything it wasn't like i just locked onto a party but i just took things that i wanted to fight for that i believed in right and it but there i remember him teaching me and telling me about like the dangers of nuclear power and it, back then, I just believed it. Like, you're a kid. You don't know. Right. I'm just, like, listening to my dad. Like, oh, yeah, it's probably bad. That would be bad. Radiation, right? But it, I, it's almost like they equated nuclear war with nuclear power. I'm, and that that's a, kind of a silly comparison later in my life as I take a step back. Because I'm like, you can make that shit, like, real safe. I'd say I, I would, potentially. I would say I was guilty of that narrative until I've listened to a handful of these podcasts that make me feel a little bit more comfortable about it. I think that's just the human perception. He said that's like one of the biggest situations is changing public perception on nuclear energy. That's like the main goal because we all have this mentality underlined. Even with you saying it, it's like that's how I had it. I'd be naive to say otherwise, you know. I mean, have you ever heard a story of, like, people that work at a nuclear power plant, like, all dying of cancer from radiation? Like, I haven't. I don't think that's a thing. I have. I don't know. I think that it's safe until they blow up. (laughs) Yes, but I do remember, like, movies, like, even weird. I can't remember. It was an Eddie Murphy movie, but he was, like, running for governor. But those are these people that lived under power lines, which I'm assuming is somehow nuclear or something and they would like had like <laughs> no it's what no it's not power lines or electricity well either way it's not nuclear it seems nuclear because there's big reactors and whatnot but i, I no, the, no 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 e- either don't confuse it I'm, that's nonsense you're probably right you are right but i'm saying the idea and this public perception of these things that cause these diseases and cause this 
problems, I can see where they're coming from. All right, hold on. We, we, you've crossed two things for sure. Number one, electrical power lines. If you live under a massive electrical relay station, it probably is not good for right. you. I think that in time they will find out that there's some sort like of radiation electromagnetic or frequency okay. that can fuck with your DNA. I don't right. know. So we can agree but on that's, that. Yeah, but that's not nuclear at all. Uh, I, if you're making the point that power just in itself is is like bad for you then yeah that might be part of the i was just trying to fit that narrative i think it's like people even thinks if you stand next to a microwave for the longest time you're going to get like enough radiation poisoning for a long time there were these like weird things that have always been like implemented is my point that probably have no i guess that have no validity to it whatsoever I remember hearing Neil deGrasse Tyson saying that if you stood next to a microwave, nothing could ever happen to you no matter what. And for some reason, I just felt like a sense of peace. I was like, all right, all that time by the microwave. <laughs> have, you, have you been worried about standing next to a microwave, Garrett? I, I, you never know. You never know. <laughs> this is definitely going to lead to some emails from like a physicist. It's like, all right, guys, well, you guys need to understand a few things. Yeah. Well, either way, energy. It's it, it's it moves. Yeah, I mean, I know that in I think the seventies is when microwaves came out. I think, and there was a lot of like real fear about what that would do to you. Right. I mean, even which is interesting, but that's reasonable. I think people should be scared of new shit that comes out that's untested. Like you can't just assume. And who are you gonna believe? The microwave salespeople? Of course, they're gonna be like, Nah, it's fine. Yeah. Put your head in there. Until your baby comes out with three eyes, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's not good. It's got an extra hand. Yeah, that's the issue. Well, let's jump on to the homeless thing, man, because that was a big part mm-hmm. of what he talked about. And it's something that you and I both faced. Um, obviously, I felt like it was a mess and got out of there because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And you went... Double down. Fuck it. I'm staying. How is the situation there right now? Just from the, like, man on the street view. Mm. We were down playing ball in Venice, and I don't know, man. I think if you're going to be a bum or, like, they were talking about choosing a lifestyle and where you would want to do it, and California, like, enables you the opportunity to do it. Like, if you live in Kentucky and you have a fentanyl or a methamphetamine issue move to California. We'll give you a check. We'll give, I mean, he was saying in San Francisco, they delivered three meals a day to their tent without them leaving. I was like, what? I, I didn't know that was the case. That was an interesting story that I've never heard. That said, there needs, I, I don't know if you, like, it's a weird thing to say you would abolish, I don't know, abolish, but just uh, make it illegal to not be homeless. I don't know. Is that even like an option? Because then you are, uh, there's so many problems with that. So I don't... Well, look, that's obviously not the solution. What are you going to do? Arrest a bunch of homeless people constantly? Right. That's and then what are you going to do when you release them? Arrest them immediately? Exactly. As soon as they leave the jail, they're still homeless and therefore breaking the law? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't... It seems like... Like I said, it seemed like he had some wishful thinking that he could solve it. I... 
At this point, anything works. It doesn't seem any worse or better in Venice, to be honest, f- from my perspective. No, no, I disagree. Not anything works. No, 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 no. No, no, I said not anything works. I said nothing seems worse or better since. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, but I mean, the the fact that they said that they're building houses that cost $750,000 to $800,000 for one homeless person that statistically is probably either has their own mental illness or a drug addiction and will more than likely trash the place. Right. I'm just like, okay, here's the problem with that. You've got south side of Chicago, low-income people, you know, mothers with multiple kids working maybe two jobs, doing their best. I'm like, look, I I do not feel comfortable giving the money to the, the homeless like that when there's not adequate welfare for people that are like actually struggling and people you know you might say well there's people that like will milk welfare and then you know and then there's all the games that they play and it's hard to know who needs it well put seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars per homeless into figuring out who should get good welfare like you could do it you could interview people like there's there has to be better ways. Like, what was the homeless budget? A billion dollars uh, just for uh, San Francisco, a, right? A billion for San Francisco. Let's let's just think about that for a moment, folks. A billion dollars, right? Let's let's think about how many people listen to this podcast and how much money they would each get if the billion dollars went to them. That's a lot of money for everybody, you know? And they hand us, like, a $600 stimulus check, well, why, and they're trying to do this. The interesting thing is, why would you... Not that any real estate isn't valuable, but why would you assume that you move to Venice Beach or you move to somewhere in San Francisco and just are, like, entitled to your own apartment or entitled to your own space? I've never felt entitled to anything, like... Uh, Nah, I don't think they feel like they're entitled. They just know that they can get it out here, so they come here. It's like, where are you going to move? To Kansas? No beach, and also no one gives you any money. You're not going there. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I mean, it's a... If I was, like we've said, if you're going to be a bum, this is, I guess this is where you'd want to go, but it's an interesting thing that everybody comes here. I wonder if it changes up just because... Doesn't seem that way. It seems like we're try- like we're trying to enable at all times, and we keep like reelecting these people too, which is the interesting thing. Well, you know, we don't have better options. I think that's what keeps coming up. That's probably. I mean, look, there's ten thousand homeless people. They said in San Francisco, you got a billion dollars. That's a hundred thousand dollars a person. That's more money than most people make a year. So if you're saying, all right, well, we pay for this from the taxes, how many people's taxes, if all of their tax money went to these people, that's a lot of people, maybe 100,000 people. Well, I, th- I think that what the thing that they clarified was that a lot of people have a lot of incentive in keeping homeless homeless and keeping the budgets where they're at because people are getting paid salaries based on 
I don't know how that whole thing unfolds. It's a, it's a. Oh, being part of like the homeless um, initiative. Like you work for that. Right, yeah. Right. It seems to be. A yeah. You shouldn't make quarter of a million dollars doing that. <laughs> Doesn't make if sense. If you don't, if you're not good at it. If you make quarter of a million dollars, you better be really fucking good at your job. Something should be I changing. I think that's reasonable. I think that's a reasonable request. Something should change. Homeless is something we should be attacking. I don't, it's it's a weird it's it's like the war on drugs, would you say? It's almost one of those fights. Yeah. It's almost one of those fights that's like it, it sounds good on paper and it sounds good to talk about, but it's like People are going to do drugs if they want to do drugs. People are going to be lazy if they want to be lazy. There needs to be consequences, unfortunately, I th- I think. Because it's, it's an imposition at this point. Like If you want to do drugs and you want to take care of yourself, that's one thing. But if you want to do drugs and then put other people at like risk or <clears throat> just negligence, it seems that there should be some accountability for that. Because, I don't know, maybe I'm just being ruthlessly introspective but I, I i think that at some point in time there needs to be an account I, I get it everybody comes from a different situation and we're not all blessed to have certain circumstances but there needs to be a responsibility i i don't know hmm. you you tell me what i i'm, I'm trying to it, you want to say that because you're not in that position so it's easier to say right now so i don't know well i i think that those two points I, it sounds like you're making a point that the, like both of those things are futile, which I agree with. But there's kind of a fix to the one. The war on drugs, you just, in a sense, make things legal like you've done with marijuana. And you can have your own feelings about making other drugs legal. Maybe you don't do it, right? But if, if they're somewhat controlled, at least people aren't fucking doing fentanyl because they can be... You know, maybe maybe it gets to a point where there's like... Just like weed was originally, there's like prescriptions for the other drugs. And not to say you go in and you go, oh, I have headaches, I need cocaine. But like you're, you're like in some way proving to the government that you can handle this without ruining your life. It, it, maybe that sounds a little elitist, like, oh, you've got to have insurance and you've got to have X, Y, and Z. But this is how they started with marijuana. So maybe that's something. It would sort the cartels out. It would give a lot of revenue to the U.S. It that would be a fix. The homeless thing—it's like accountability aside. Like, what? How do you even start to put that together? Like, this is the problem that I hear. I love what this guy is saying, and I—I I, I, do trust me. I'm not a fan of Gavin Newsom, so I think that someone else would be better. I don't want just anyone in there. You know, I'm not going to be like the Trump hater that's just willing to put like. You know, forget for Joe Biden in place. Sorry, but like you just you can't just remove one problem and then create another one. Like you need a new good candidate. I just I don't know. This sounds sounds like a lot of like really positive wishful thinking. I want to believe in this guy, but he's making a lot of bold claims about fixing that problem. And I don't know how you can even start with it. I think it's so big. That it's not getting fixed. Well, you got to appreciate somebody that will at least grab the ho- bull by the horns and say something that probably goes against his whole party's like initiative and a, a lot of the things that they probably wouldn't necessarily stand right behind all the things that he's saying. So you got to appreciate <coughs> him coming out and saying it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I want to believe. At least he's saying it. All right, let's jump over to Gavin DeBecca. What a badass. <laughs> let's be honest. This guy sounds podcast. I was like, look, you know, you do not want to mess with this, bro. DOJ. For sure. DOJ at right? 26 years old. Dude, the way, just even the way he would, like, reflect on things Rogan would say when he was impressed with the way Rogan spoke, right. it's just like he speaks right from his own truth. <laughs> Whether you agree with him or not, he's not messing around, and he's not shy. Right. I liked it. Impressive. <laughs> I liked it when he said that he became the Department of Justice. I think that was the name of his title, and they stood around. He's like, all right, to break the ice. Has anybody been to jail here? And they go around all those like super important people, and everybody just tells their story. <laughs> story about how they. I love that. It's, dude. Like, it's like what a great. That's that's a great. And he's twenty six around all these old ass people that are trying to be so conservative and button up folks. And he's like, "All right, let's go around and talk about what we've been arrested for." Real talk, real talk, folks. right? Got to appreciate. I that. I found it interesting at the beginning how Joe said that Jamie brought up the fact that they, Joe and Jamie, don't really experience the JRE like everyone else. That's really a fascinating way to just, you know, they hear about, like, the reports and the news, but to them it's just like they go in and they do the podcast and they just disconnect and there we go i like that that's yeah that's, i mean i feel like we kind of do the same thing but it is an interesting thing to be completely hands off I, I wonder if that's i'm just thinking to myself i wonder if that's why jamie keeps his like he doesn't talk very much so he doesn't have to always think about <laughs> like how much editing he has to do and whatnot the amount of like banter that goes back and forth is pretty minimal but what do you think about uh <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting thing that he was talking about how um <clears throat> I'm sorry. Well, they were talking about like the losing your point what's going on <laughs> oh, like oh, oh, oh pee I, and you can't even i like going on your own I, I lost it i just read one of my notes it says he says life's a sexually transmitted disease and he was like the way he described it was like it's a sexually transmitted thing that happens and then he just broke it down yeah that we that we all die from yeah that he's like life is just a sexually transmitted disease that we all die from i was like oh Sounds like some Shakespearean morbid shit, but at the same time, like pretty reflective on reality. Well, it's true. I mean, you know, I I do think that you know, and I I think they brought it up on the Josh Barnett one. Like, I think that we we forget we're gonna die. Nobody today remembers this. Like, we're not Vikings. We're not constantly reminded of it. People really don't go to church that much. Like, church does. Or religion often reminds you of death. Correct. And when you're not religious and you're not, we're just like living our way. It's like there's a lot of children today. And we're guilty of that. We live, you know, how many skateboards do you have, to be honest? Seven. Well, you know, it's this, it's this guy, not our fault. It's like what we were born into. This guy adopted. And we've got to remind ourselves that it gets 
kids. We're gonna die. He adopted eight. He, he adopted eight kids. I wonder if that was the reason why. So he's like, "Can I experience life even more?" Do you think you don't deal? Dude, that was. Do you deal with mortality like that or no? Like, I think I de- I think I think about it. I think about it mostly when I'm go hunting. When you're when you're what? When I go hunting. Okay. Yeah, I think about it because one that is bears, right? Especially in Montana, so you got to think about being eaten by them. Um, and we're out there hunting animals, and there's a there's a thing about death there, and it does make me think about it. Especially when you go out and it's for multiple days, and you and you like and you stay out there. A lot of the conversations kind of turn to that. Not in a morbid way. Like sometimes they they're fun. You're around the campfire and you. But like, it's a different type of conversation than I get most of the time. Most of the time, it's like, what are you doing? What's happening? What's going great in your life? Like, let's pump it up. Let's be awesome. And you know, nobody like stops you and is like, oh yeah, we're all gonna <laughs> die eventually. You know, it's like that would be strange. But you do it more when you're. When you're there, and I mean, maybe some of it is that I go out with with military guys, mm-hmm. and um, you know, namely my buddy who is ex special forces. So he understands death in a different way than I will ever understand it, to be honest. Right. And he has a perspective on it that's, you know, it's really. Some of the scariest and most enlightening shit that I hear when when he's there. But he, he doesn't do it all the time. I mean, I work out with this guy. It's not like he's bringing up at the gym. It's like that that place, it, it you know, it does happen. I wonder how many, how many I mean, not, not looking for a number, but how many hunting stories came out where you went out for a hunt and you ended up getting hunted. Hmm. Yeah, my my buddy in New Mexico uh, went out with his dad, and I don't know what it was. It was southern New Mexico. They were hunting, and it got to this point where they felt like they were being kind of tracked (laughs) and maybe a sense that they had. I don't know what gave it away, but they got to this point where they just kind of chilled, and they just turned back on themselves, and they were like, is this something behind us? And then a mountain lion, like, showed up, like, right on the top of a little cliff just kind of looking at him and it was just just scoping him out i mean it didn't do anything but it was probably like what are these silly monkeys doing in the woods i could eat that i could eat them alive at any moment i think dude scary stuff let me tell you this story i was at a diner in bozeman um recently and there was this old guy in there i was just chatting with him and he's lived here forever and I said, yeah, yeah, I just started hunting and, yeah, I'm trying to get into it. And luckily, I'm privileged enough to, like, learn from people that have the patience to teach a new person and know what they're doing, which is not easy to do because the the hunts for people are important and they don't want to take out someone that doesn't know what they're doing. So I, I do my best when I get out there. And this guy, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of afraid of bears, though. Like, I don't have a lot of experience in nature. And I'm like, these bears are, especially grizzlies, are terrifying. What kind of gun should I get to protect me from a bear? Because people are like, oh, I just have the bear spray. This old guy <laughs> straight up was like, dude, bear spray. 
and I'm not saying this is correct. I don't know. This is just what he says. But he was like, bear spray isn't going to do shit. Like, that's good for, like, spraying other humans that attack you, for sure. But do you really trust it? And then he was like, all right, now think about a handgun. How good are you with a handgun? Me, personally, not good. I do my best, but I am not... I can barely hit targets from, like, 15 yards away. Like, it's not good. They're difficult to shoot, man. And I don't have a lot of practice. And he's like, okay, a bear runs at, like, 30 to 35 miles an hour if it's charging you. And it's freaking 2,000 pounds. And he said, go to the end of the road, because right outside the diner, the speed limit's 35. And he goes, see how long it takes for a car to get to you from, like, one light to the next. Pull out your bear spray. And think about pulling out a handgun and trying to shoot it. So I was like, well, what are you even supposed to do? He goes, sawed off shotgun. This, this guy was so matter-of-fact. He was like, that's what you have. You have one of those... And it fires. I can't remember what kind of shells, but something that it basically he said you stack the shells so that they're different. Like they start off so the disbursement is not huge, and then by like the la- like the last one of the shells, it's it's um, a much maybe bigger spread because the idea is the bear is like real close on you then, and you can nail it. Mm. That sounds like a Quentin Tarantino. I don't know, dude. Sounds- he seemed real specific on this, and it seemed to make sense to me. I was like, whoa, sounds- I guess you got to get a shotgun. Sounds like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Dude, bears are real, bro. <laughs> that- you live in Venice. I- I- the scariest I- thing there I- is pigeons. I'm grabbing and- a sawed off, and I'm popping any pigeon that pops off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Pegasus 2. Oh, boy. Hacking your phone. All it needs is your phone number, huh? They don't even have to... Like, that was crazy that he said they, they send the text, and then if you open the text, but he said that Pegasus is so, like, revolutionary now, all they need... Like, if the government wants you, literally all they need to do is grab your phone number. That's crazy. Yeah, that's... I mean, they hacked Jeff Bezos, right. bro. It's crazy. If you can hack he- Jeff? Hefe? The F? <laughs> the L Hef? <laughs> The half of the Amazonian. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he didn't want that movie to stream on his own thing too. He wanted people to pay for it. Is an interesting thing. I, I, I'm pretty, pretty scared I, of the Saudis, dude, bro. We've been saying this for a while. If they're going to give us the iPhone, they've got like drones in the bathroom toilets if they want them. Like, let's be honest and stop effing around. He goes, if any of the big governments want you. The, the Saudis, the Soviets, the Chinese, the Americans, they can get you. It's kind of a... Uh, Dude, they're hacking. They're hacking you for sure. What, uh, guaranteed if they want. Guaranteed me and you. Like It's like, has to be. We're so important. <laughs> That's what's interesting. It's like, that, but when they talked about that, everybody in their life is always like, our life's not that important, all up until they need something from you. And then it's like, oh yeah, we have access to everybody. Don't worry about it. Imagine how, like, disappointed they would be if they hacked our phones. They're just like, oh, my God, these guys are just as dumb well, they, as they Well, they sound. probably go through that with everybody. They're just like, who has anything? But you can, it seems like you can sensationalize anything out of any conversation if we haven't been privy to that. You can edit and sensationalize if it's to your benefit. That's the problem. Any piece of info. I think the fear is, and, and Joe's brought it up before multiple times, like, Putting 
something on your phone that could incriminate you, you know? Right. Like like adding pictures of things that... You didn't even mean to add. And then right. charging you. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, like if somebody sent you something and then you have it now, it's like, is that, are you supposed to be liable for that? That's so weird. <clears throat> That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, who knows? If they sent it with the text, oh, here's the picture that you asked for, and then they send it to you, and now it's, like, downloaded to your cloud, and then someone hacks your cloud, and then it's like, look at Joe Rogan's cloud. Like, dude, how how would he explain, like, some really messed up pictures that could get on his phone? He'd be like, I didn't do it. Someone hacked my phone. Like, nobody gives a shit, bro, once that happens. I hope that'd be... They'd be, like, guilty. Well, I think that he did say that it's going to be an interesting time now that everybody's going to have real access to everybody's stuff if they if they're motivated so i mean whether that's good bad or ugly at least it's transparency i mean hopefully you're just being a good person who knows you get a little weird from time to time but i don't know i don't know what the right answer makes you think though scary stuff yeah. and, the, and then also he brings up 75 percent of the tv oh. commercials are from pharma companies dude when they started going down that rabbit hole about each little dynamic and then it came to that about like fully funded <laughs> that was a bit if, if that's not a red flag it's a that's a red Saudi Arabia 9-11 fucking blowing through the building flag like I don't understand do you think you could change that though 75% like dude I don't it, we're never gonna accept pharmaceutical commercials on this podcast never so if there's seventy five percent of the like, but think about it though. How long until they want to advertise on here? And then I'm just like, well, no, it's not going to happen. I don't trust you guys. But it's not happening. But you think about how I'm going to sell Harry's razors. It's a it's a weird Thank it's you. a weird setup though, because people that are in the situation where you got three or four or five kids, and you're like, oh man, I need this money. They put you, they handcuff you. Like it's a, like you have to test your morals because that's a. I've always thought of that, like when it comes to working for a pharmaceutical company or working for, I don't, I don't want to say oil company anymore. Not that I've been tested, but it seems like there might be some benefit to oil still, but well, dude, I'm not, I'm not saying people shouldn't work for them and I'm not saying they don't have value. They're important, they are. you know, but they, I don't think they should advertise on the television. No, I, you I know, agree. I'm, I'm not trying to make, you know, I mean, I don't want to make alcohol illegal but there's a part of me that's like i don't know if they should advertise on television other than the fact that budweiser makes great super bowl commercials true usually but i don't know if it's necessary to look people are going to use it and do it right i just don't know if they need that much power i agree it's too much control especially when then most of the advertising for the news that's obviously going to change the news, right? Right. I don't know. And in hearing about his kid that couldn't get um, care for I'll, leukemia, I was going to say that's about, and therefore go to like when he said, "Look, I'm not going to Australia or New Zealand ever." Right. The, how they handled things over there, I'm not into it. Look, I'm not saying that I take that hard line, but I I have not. I don't know. I don't respect <laughs> it, how they handled it either. It would be. I feel like that's not. If I watch one of my, that's not what I expected from them. Not, I not expected them to be like more rebellious than the U.S. and be like, no way. Like Australians are 
oh, resilient. You know, they're great people. They're wild animals, right. right? They they don't mess around. They're tough people. I don't know why they just allowed it's, that. It's, and they seem to be okay with it over there for some reason. It's that Monday. It's that Monday. Monday morning quarterbacking thing that we talk about. It's like you never know how you're going to react. You never uh, like it's always, especially when you ever have like certain individuals controlling countries. It's like <clears throat> who knows how their the, their individual thought process, especially throughout COVID. It's hard to say that it was a uniform like this is how you're supposed to feel. This is how you're supposed to react. We had people in Florida react in some way. We had people in California. I mean, it obviously was political because now you can see that it kind of fit both the agendas. But I don't know. To, to I, I agree with you as far as the people go from Australia. It's it's a it's a hard thing. And and then it's, like even in England, remember you had that whole thing. And then like one day you're just like, oh, it's all done. Like within a day, it was just oh yeah, it was over. And that was weird. <laughs> it was like massive, right? Closures, lockdowns, bars are closed, and then okay. you know they open a bit of it, and then they're like, "Okay, no masks, it's all good." So if that proves anything, this is like what? It's got to be like the optics was the only thing, which is unfortunate. Hopefully, this is a learning lesson, and we never go down this rail again. Like, hopefully, this never happens again. Hopefully, people are a little bit more <clears throat> just don't fall in line. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it would never happen before, so who knows? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, that kind of wraps us up for uh, this week. And, um, yeah, thank you, as always, for listening, Garrett. Enjoyed it. Um, check out the website. Like I said, go over there. You can always send us some feedback. You know, we're working on I'm not like a website designing person. I'm just going to try and figure out a way to make it interesting for people that want to keep up to date with Rogan stuff. So, um, it's a work in progress and I'll do my best and talk to people that know what the hell they're doing because I certainly don't but I want to bring some good news and good information um, on that end of it you know maybe like profiles on guests that he has on you know you get Rhonda Patrick on and she mentions a bunch of things about what to take and what not to like that would be good to have on there kind of want to put that together good idea. but I would love your support and it's it would be great if you could jump on the Patreon that would help us out because then i know okay this is kind of worth doing on that avenue but uh anyway as always thank you and later guys later skaters